Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, April 26th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now. That's BeantownAthletics.com or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And make sure you tell them I sent you. So yesterday I reacted to the news that Tom Brady's four-game deflategate suspension would be reinstated. Uh, It was literally breaking news as I began the show. And uh, I had to react to it, and I did it in a very passionate manner. And I did have a difficult time yesterday making the transition from more deflategate news and the reality that Tom Brady perhaps could be serving a four-game suspension to begin this upcoming season. I had a tough time transitioning from that news, which I was kind of shocked uh, to see and hear, And then going to the NBA playoffs and talking about the Celtics specifically and how they had a great weekend, evening up their first-round playoff series with Atlanta. And now we have Game 5 tonight. Game 5, the Celtics and the Hawks. I'm going to get into that. But obviously, you know, this Deflategate saga, as it continues to unfold. See, yesterday I jumped on. It was breaking news literally right before I hit record. So I had to open with it. But while I opened with it and gave you a raw, fresh reaction, like, I don't regret anything I said yesterday. Like, I ripped open my chest for you on this show, as I do every day. But I gave you my natural reaction, and my natural reaction to Deflategate has really been the same since day one. While everybody else wants to go into uh, crazy details, and not to say I haven't gone into crazy details. I I have. I, I ripped apart the Wells Report many times on this show. And... But but you go back to the beginning, and I feel the same way, which is, all right, people want to talk about the process and the CBA and Roger Goodell, that it's, it's, it's his right under the CBA that he gets to be the judge, the jury, and the executioner. He gets to sit in the appeal, and he gets to say, no, the suspension is going to stand, and that he has every right uh, to come up with any type of punishment that he wants if he feels... Something has been done that affects the integrity of the game. That's his phrase, the integrity of the game. He doesn't even know what integrity means. He couldn't define it for you if you asked him. He wouldn't. If you asked him to define, if you asked Roger Goodell to define integrity of the game or define the word integrity, his response would literally be, well, integrity is what we're trying to protect in the league. It's what we're fighting for. And if you mess with the integrity, you will be punished. And I will create the punishment. I mean, that's all he would tell you. He doesn't even know what the definition of the word integrity is. He is that much of an absolute buffoon that he wouldn't know the definition of it. All right? Uh, People talking about that, the integrity, the process, what's in the CBA, how much power Roger Goodell has. And I, I listen to a lot of people today maybe even crushing the players' union, going back to the CBA negotiations in which players just cared about the money. They didn't care about how much power Roger Goodell had. So this is ultimately now on the players' union. I've heard people come up with all that shit today. And, and you know, you know I, I, I'm just more frustrated with the fact that we are to the point where we even have to have that conversation because of the air pressure in footballs. I went over that yesterday. Go listen to yesterday's podcast. If you want to hear me once again, just attack Roger Goodell, not even for the power that he has in the CBA, but basically for the mere fact that he took this story and turned it into the biggest crime that the NFL has ever seen. While in throughout, throughout it all, He's refused to sit in the appeal for someone like Greg Hardy, who appealed his 10-game suspension for the domestic violence situation in which he threw his girlfriend on a bed full of guns and beat her. Goodell gave him a 10-game suspension. Now, he looked, all right, he looked good with that. I mean, they should kick him out of the league, but 10-game suspension is a lot, and, and how can you argue with 10 games? Um, but then Greg Hardy appeals... And Roger Goodell has the opportunity to sit in the appeal 
and, and do the same thing that he's done with Deflategate, which is say, nope, this is my punishment. I have every right to hear the appeal and stick with this punishment. Roger Goodell's here pounding his chest for the last two years about this power that he has. And I hear people talking about this power today, yet he doesn't use the power for the more important stuff. And there's no question domestic violence is a more important thing than air pressure in a football. Like, that should be the priority of the league, to take care of these criminals that are in their league, these criminals, these animals, right? These scumbags. Instead, what they've done is they've, they've put Tom Brady on the same level as these guys because guess what? The four-game suspension that just got reinstated is the same number of games that Greg Hardy served last year for beating his girlfriend and throwing her on a bed full of guns. It's, it's embarrassing to the league. So the fact that Goodell is, is even continuing to fight it, knowing that, is just something that I crush him for. All right? I crush him for it. So this is just a stupid situation that they never should have made a big deal out of, and they did, and they continue to fight it. And if they're, they're basically Goodell's fighting and trying to prove how much power he has. Well, right now, based on the result of the NFL's appeal, and now, you know, with seeing that Tom Brady's suspension is being reinstated, um, Roger Goodell looks like he's winning right now. So yesterday I reacted to that, but I told you, since it was fresh, it was brand new, I didn't necessarily have all the details of all the responses from all parties or quotes. I didn't have any of that for you. I told you I'd get to that today, and, and that's what we have today. And there's a couple other reports here that 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 kind of defend the Patriots from people with from people around the league, and and I'll get to that because they do also have a beef with maybe some of these people being anonymous. But but first and foremost, let let me let me tell you what the response has been from Tom Brady in the NFLPA. Tom Brady, according to reports, he's going to fight this. Now I I expect that to happen anyways. I just I just I'm not sure how he's going to fight it. I think they said he can go into this appeals court. And he can have all the judges that are in there sit in front of it instead of just three. Or maybe he has to go through the same three again. And then if the result's the same, he can go. Bottom line is this. Brady's going to fight it. That's what they're telling us. But he is listening to his lawyers to see what, you know, I guess what options they have. I'm not a legal analyst. I do not know all the options. I'm sure we're going to find out some of these options moving forward. Some people have talked about a potential deal with the NFL. Would Brady come to a deal? No, that's not going to happen. Tom Brady is not going to settle on a deal with the NFL. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not going to happen. And the reports of Brady's not willing to accept this suspension, nor should he be. The NFL PA, you know, they're making their rounds in the media today and the NFLPA's leaders are saying that this is not over and it will not be over for a long, long time. And if Brady's going to fight it, well, then I, I guess I expect that to be the timetable, which is my biggest fear, that we're doing Deflategate for the rest of my life. And when I write the book, and it is published, called How Deflategate Ruined My Life, it's still going to be an ongoing battle. It will, because we're going to have appeal after appeal after appeal. It's funny because at first yesterday, people try to say that, well, Brady has, they have limited options as to how they can appeal. And then even after that, the NFL will have limited options. I feel like there's always a way for someone to appeal. I just do. Again, I'm not a legal analyst. I don't have all the legal answers for you right now. That's just how I feel about this stuff. And that there's just going to be back and forth appeals. And it's going to be just frustrating, but hey, I guess if you're Brady, if you're the NFLPA, as long as Brady can somehow get to play under some type of appeal, then all power to him and and go get it done. And you should not settle for a four-game suspension because it's just stupid. Just a stupid suspension. So that's what we have on the Brady NFLPA side of things. They are not going to settle on a deal. Now, what you could look at with the NFL and Roger Goodell is, and this question was asked to him, I think, at the Super Bowl, um, in which the question was, okay, you're going to appeal this Judge Richard Berman ruling that took away the Brady suspension. You're going to appeal that. When you do appeal it, let's say you win, Roger. Let's say you win. Would you stick with the four-game suspension for Brady? Or would you say, okay, we won, and maybe take it away? 
And Goodell didn't really give a good answer. He never does. All he did was say, we're looking to protect the integrity of the game. I don't even know what his fucking answer was, but it was probably brutal. It didn't answer the question, I don't think. Um, but I, even if it did answer the question, I don't even know that you can believe what the guy says. I don't expect them to be 100% truthful up there, especially with an ongoing appeal and something that's going to be settled in a court. Like, I don't expect them to be, you know, forthcoming and telling you everything that he's thinking about the situation. But the idea now that Goodell, because he has an opportunity, Goodell does have an opportunity to say, hey, this was just about the power in the CBA and showing people that I do have the power to still win these battles. But what I'm going to do is I am going to take away the four-game suspension for Brady because I've only been battling what my rights are in the CBA and how much power I have. And I'm sending a message to the rest of the league and other players saying, okay, you want to appeal this shit? That doesn't mean you're going to win because ultimately I will win. But what I'm going to do is this is such a stupid situation. The air pressure in a football and we did make some mistakes along the way. Um, I'm going to take away the suspension. Now, Goodell has the right to do that. He's not going to do that, obviously. At least I don't expect him to do that. It would be the right thing to do. It would it, That would be common sense. But because it's common sense, it tells me it's not going to happen because nobody has functioned with common sense in the NFL offices during Deflategate at any point in time. So I don't expect Goodell to take away the suspension. I expect them to stick with it. But I also expect, as we heard, Brady and the NFLPA to fight it. Now, Roger Goodell, he spoke today on Bloomberg TV. I mean, you got me. You got me. <laughs> Where would I find that? Where would I even know he was doing this? Like, was there a, a you know, a, a, some type of email that went out? That told us he was going to speak on Bloomberg TV? Like, I don't know. Here's a quote from Roger Goodell. He said, quote, We're obviously pleased with the court's decision. We think that was the right decision. They were very firm in their decision that that was within our authority and the judgments were based on solid facts. So we're actually pleased with that and we hope we can move on from there. Goodell continues, we think it's important that the commissioner protect the integrity of the game, that you can't entrust that to someone who has no understanding of our business, and the court yesterday reaffirmed that. So we think this is an important element of our success. We obviously have changed our discipline process through the years, and we will continue to do that if we think it's in the best interest in the NFL. Now, end quote. Let me read you the- let me read you that. Let me read that second paragraph again. And the first sentence in the second paragraph says, quote, we think it's important that the commissioner protect the integrity of the game, that you can't entrust that to someone who has no understanding of our business. End quote. Couple things here that point that 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 I should point out. I think he's talking about Judge Richard Berman, right? Right? Like that Berman came down, took away the suspension. He says, he doesn't know our business. He has no understanding of our business. You can't entrust somebody to, to, to all of a sudden then handle our business. I think he's talking about that. Um, but he, he calls himself the commissioner, right? He's like, it's important that the commissioner. And then he throws out the protect the integrity of the game. To nobody's surprise does he throw that phrase out there in this response on Bloomberg TV. But Goodell says he's happy. Uh, I guess it hints towards him obviously acknowledging that he was fighting to for his power in the CBA, but still, I don't expect him to take away the suspension. I expect the suspension to stand. Now, if the suspension does stand, or at least with this story coming up again and the suspension being reinstated for at least the time being, there's a report from Mike Freeman from the Bleacher Report in which Mike Freeman from Bleacher Report says that executives, coaches, and players that he has spoken to, they believe that the NFL got its investigation wrong and that the Patriots never cheated. Let me read you a quote from Mike Freeman's story from an NFC team executive. This is what he tells Freeman. An anonymous NFC team executive says, quote, I hate the Patriots. I despise them, but they really should get those picks back. End quote. Um, then you have... An anonymous general manager tells Freeman, quote, The Patriots aren't victims, but they are a cautionary tale for the rest of the league. They're a reminder 
that the commissioner can do whatever he wants, and there isn't a damn thing any team can do about it. End quote. That goes back to my main point yesterday and my main argument yesterday and something that I wanted to see happen here moving forward with this suspension being reinstated. I told you I wanted players, I wanted team executives, I want people around the league to speak out like they're speaking out to Mike Freeman and saying, this can't happen. We can't be doing this over the air pressure in football when we got scumbags and criminals running around, right? We got all these scumbags and criminals running around, beating their girlfriends, beating their wives. You know, you got a, what do you got? You got a domestic dispute with with Johnny Manziel, right? He's got just got indicted. Whatever the hell he's doing, that kid is just lost. And, uh, you know, you got all this shit going on, and yet you're going to take the face of the league, and you're going to suspend them four games because of the air pressure in a football that ultimately didn't even affect the game and doesn't even affect the game. Right? The greatest quarterback that you have in the history of the league. It might want to. Some people want to throw arguably into that. I don't. You're going to suspend the guy four games? You're still fighting this? There are finally people around the league, and you're seeing this in this Mike Freeman report on Bleacher Report, executives, coaches, players, that are speaking up, saying this is just wrong. This shouldn't happen. I love it. Except there's just one problem here. And that problem is these people speaking out, these executives, these coaches, these players, they're speaking out anonymously. I... This is a situation, if you care enough about this, if you're one of these people that is speaking to Mike Freeman, it's great that he's getting these quotes. It's great that they're speaking out. It's great that they feel this way. That even though they hate the Patriots, they know this is wrong. They know this is stupid. They know now and they're seeing this power that they've given the commissioner is, you know, it's being abused. And and I know people are going back and forth saying, well, that's the player's fault. That's the player's union's fault for, for even giving him this power because they wanted more money. All right, forget about that for a second. Guess what? They're speaking out now. They're speaking out about it. I I want more people to speak out about it because it's that stupid. Maybe it puts a little pressure on Goodell to to take away the suspension. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it goes the the, the opposite effect where Goodell pounds his chest even more and says, you know, screw you. I make this decision. I don't want to hear from you. This is my league, and he's just going to operate, you know, under his own power and, and... do anything that he wants in this league. And I don't know what his reaction to that would be. But here's the deal. I don't want anonymous people. I, these guys need to say, put their name on it. They need to put their face on it. Throw it out on Twitter. I, say, I said yesterday, give me some quarterbacks, fellow quarterbacks in the league right now, not past quarterbacks, not retired quarterbacks, not Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Quarterbacks in the league right now need to step up and say, this is stupid. GMs in the league, team executives, I even need a couple owners because you know there's some owners that don't agree with what's going on right now. You know there are. But I need them to speak out, not as anonymous. I need them to show their face. I need, to put, I need them to put their name on this. What's going to happen to them if they speak out about it? What, what are they going to get suspended? They can't get suspended for that. They're going to get fined? I don't know. But they, they need to speak out because this is stupid. So it's good that it's good that they're speaking out, but they need to speak out and not be anonymous. Like I need to know who's saying this. We because I, I think that is where we take a step in the right direction. Right? I know obviously Goodell can still do whatever he wants here. That's might not change his decision, but at least it, it gets more people on board with the fact that, all right. This is a pretty ridiculous thing that's going on right now, and it's ridiculous that we're still talking about Deflategate, especially during a week in which we got the NFL draft beginning Thursday night, and it's a pretty exciting draft at the top with the Rams trade up to one, the Eagles trade up to two. I mean, somebody and somebody tweeted yesterday. I, I forget who, who it was. I think I favorited it, maybe. I might have even retweeted it. Um... It tweeted that Thursday night, Tom Brady should hold a press conference at Gillette right at the beginning of, of the first round of the primetime NFL draft. Because the Patriots don't have a first-round pick. Brady should hold a press conference. I mean, what honestly, what would you watch? Uh, now, in New England, we obviously wouldn't watch the draft. We'd be watching Brady's press conference. But even around the league, put it this way, that would piss the league off. 
If you're looking to piss the league off at this point, and you're not going to settle on a deal, and you don't expect Goodell to remove the the suspension, then I mean maybe it's something you think about. It's some it's it's a way to piss the league off if you're still going to fight this in a in a court of law. But it's it, the fact that we're doing this right now is is embarrassing for the league. And at least some of these anonymous people speaking to Mike Freeman of the Bleach Report are expressing that. I just, I need them to show their face. I need, I need their names. Not just me. I think everybody needs it. If these are people who are well-respected around the NFL right now, then maybe you get more people on board, and, and who knows where this, who knows what happens then. It's just, it's a common sense thing that for some reason, has not hit home with a lot of people around the league. And and the more you see respected individuals in the league maybe speak out and talk about it, here's the deal. We don't know who's speaking out. They're anonymous. We know that executives, GMs, coaches, players, but we don't know who. I need to know who. These people need to stop. What are they hiding behind? What are they hiding from? If you feel strongly about this, which you should, then speak out. Show your face. Tweet it out. Give him your name. Give Mike Freeman from the Bleacher Report your name. Uh, but that's where we stand on Deflategate right now. And, yeah, we're opening another show with Deflategate, even though we have a huge basketball game tonight in Atlanta. The Celtics-Hawks uh, series tied at two. It's game five. The Hawks are a seven-point favorite. Let's get right into it. So I'm not, I don't want to spend every day this week on Deflategate. I really don't. I really don't. But I had to get you updated on that. And I wanted to react to that Mike Freeman story. It's just, I don't want to see anonymous sources. I, I, I want to see people's faces. I want to see names. I want, if they're going to speak out about this and they think, like me, that this is a complete joke and this is an embarrassment to the league and the league needs to stop fighting this even though they just won, but, they, but get the message. Uh, uh, spread the message. Because I'm telling you right now, if respectable people are coming out publicly saying that Goodell is a buffoon and he's, you know, this is just ridiculous that he suspended Tom Brady four games to the air pressure in football. I think you'll get more people on board that will feel a little bit more comfortable to speak out publicly. And, and then who knows what happens, but they, they should speak out publicly. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And as that last quote, I read you, if it can happen to him, it can happen to anybody. That's the truth. That's the truth. NBA playoffs, yeah, as I just told you. Celtics in Atlanta, 8.30 is the tip-off. Uh, but last night, there were three games last night. Oklahoma City clinched their series over the Mavericks in five games. Uh, the Thunder will now play San Antonio in the second round. That series begins Saturday in San Antonio. Uh, but there is drama in the Western Conference. There is plenty of drama, and it's not good drama. It's injury drama. We knew about Steph Curry, the unfortunate spill that he took in the last game. Um, it was ugly. I told you it didn't look good. And the way he walked off the court after he tried to come back, and he was legitimately in tears. They called it a knee sprain. After further evaluation, Steph Curry will miss at least two weeks with a grade one MCL sprain in his right knee. After two weeks, he's going to be reevaluated. I watched the Golden State Warriors GM speak yesterday. I mean, he didn't have much more than that. Basically, they're going to look at it in two weeks and see just how bad this sprain is. You know, this could be something in which he could be ready to go in two weeks. It could be something in which he might need four to six. You don't know. You got to see, you know, the knee's intact. That's the good thing. Everything's intact. It's just... The healing process, who knows what it's going to be. So that's why they're not giving us an exact timetable. He'll be out at least two weeks. They're going to reevaluate it at the end of two weeks. So I think it's probably going to be more than two weeks, but that's when they'll reevaluate it. So not good news for Steph Curry. But when, and, and no, look, nobody's rooting for injury, obviously. Nobody roots for Steph Curry to get injured. Not even the team that would be playing them in the second round. And. The, you go into last night. The Clippers had a 2-1 to series lead over Portland. You get that game four. It was in Portland, obviously. And, you know, you see the Steph Curry injury stuff. And again, the Clippers are not sitting there rooting for Steph Curry to get injured. But when you see Steph Curry get injured, I think that maybe 
if you're the Clippers, your eyes might light up a little bit, right? Your eyes might light up. And that's because you know the way the brackets are set in the NBA. The winner of your series against Portland plays the winner of Golden State-Houston. Golden State's up three games to one on Houston. And, I mean, who doesn't expect Golden State to win this series? Even without Steph Curry, Game 5 in Golden State is going to be tomorrow night at 10.30 Eastern Time. Uh, I expect the Warriors to win that one, even without Steph. I do. And they're going to move on in the second round, and they're going to play the winner of the Clippers-Portland Trailblazers series. And if you're the Clippers, and you're going to last night's game with Portland, and you're up 2-1, to one, you're looking at that going, okay, we don't want, we don't root for injury, but if Golden State's banged up, you know, it is maybe an opportunity that we could seize. Now we got to get there first. Here's where the problem comes in for the Clippers. You got to get there first. And last night, Chris Paul broke his right hand. That's devastating news based on what I just told you and the opportunity perhaps the Clippers could have in the second round with a banged up Warriors team without Steph Curry. To see Chris Paul break his hand is just devastating news. Devastating. They're saying surgery likely is needed. It could be anywhere from four to six weeks. It's just devastating stuff for the Clippers. And you can see on their bench, they were devastated. I watched the Doc Rivers press conference afterwards last night. And he said, you know, basically, doesn't look good. Doesn't look good for Chris Paul. And then he was asked about Blake Griffin. He said, yeah, doesn't look great for him either. Because <laughs> Blake Griffin, after Paul went down with a broken hand last night, Blake Griffin suffered a quad injury. And he's... They say quad, he was like pointing to his knee and shit sitting on that bench. They say he's 50-50 for game five, Clippers, Trailblazers. Blazers won last night. So that series is all of a sudden tied up at two. And and here you are with no Chris Paul and possibly no Blake Griffin. So, I mean, what does that do for someone like DeAndre Jordan? What does that do for someone like J.J. Redick? You look at the numbers. It doesn't help those guys out. I don't know that those two guys could take the team on their back. And look, you need Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. I think you need Paul more than Griffin. So forget about Griffin for a second. Chris Paul breaks his hand. You might not even be Portland. Now, forget about the opportunity you could try to seize against the banged-up Golden State team in the second round. The Clippers might not even be Portland. And that is just devastating stuff if you are a Clipper fan. That's the type of stuff you say... Why us again? Why is this happening to us? You know, you had a, you have a core group there that you feel good about the last couple of years. And, you know, you just get some bad luck. And uh, I, I think you, you look like maybe you were getting some good luck with Golden State being banged up. And now here you are. Just awful, awful news on Chris Paul breaking his hand. And he was visibly frustrated walking off the court last night. And it's even worse when you look into Blake Griffin's injury, quad injury, and he might not go for game five. Who knows when he'll be back. So that's what we had last night in the NBA playoffs. Also, the series that I have watched the least amount of. In fact, I haven't even watched two minutes of this series because there's so much going on. You got Stanley Cup playoffs. You got Major League Baseball. We got our eyes on the Red Sox. I'll react to what they did last night in just a moment. Uh, a win for the Sox in Atlanta. But Charlotte and Miami, that series is now tied at two. Charlotte last night, the Hornets beat the Heat 89-85. to And you got a series there with those two teams. I picked, I think I picked Miami to win, but I told you, eh, I guess I wouldn't be all that shocked if Charlotte ended up somehow squeezing out of that series. And the winner of that series plays the winner of Toronto and Indy, which is tonight at 6 o'clock Eastern Time in Toronto. So a 6 o'clock Eastern Time start with the Pacers and the Raptors. Both of these games on TNT. So I think it's starting early so that they don't have to start the second game, the Celtics-Hawks, at 9, 9.30. Uh, try to get that one in as early as possible. So that's why Indian-Toronto is at 6. That series, Indian-Toronto, is tied at 2. Uh, game 5 tonight in Toronto. So only two games tonight, Pacers, Raptors, and then Celtics and the Hawks. Celtics-Hawks, as I mentioned, at 8.30. If you're the Celtics tonight, you know, you, in my opinion, 
if we're looking at guys that need to step up, you know, you know the obvious ones. Like Isaiah Thomas needs to score, obviously. Uh, Evan Turner needs to not shoot threes and hit his jump shots, obviously. Uh, they need to limit the turnovers. They, you would like to see Jay Crowder shoot like he shot early on in game four. He kind of cooled down, but he hit a couple threes early on in that game. You'd like to see him build on that, right? Jarebko needs to play a role. I'm not necessarily asking Olenek to be involved. He only played four minutes in his return uh, the other night. I mean, I don't, I don't need Olenek, but what I do need is Jared Selinger. I need Jaron Sullinger to not look lost out there, and Sullinger has looked completely lost. I need him down on the boards, grabbing rebounds, and I need him getting second-chance points. I need him going up strong when he gets that offensive rebound, and I need him finishing around the hoop. He needs to. Sullinger has been awful. I, I, what I've seen with this Celtics team in the last couple of years is when Jared Sullinger is a presence in the paint with rebounds, second-chance points, and finishing around the rim and playing physical down there, things open up for the rest of this team, and, and they play like the Celtics we're used to seeing them play when Jared Sullinger is playing that style. I do not want to see Sullinger shooting from the outside. You got a feeling that if he is playing, he's probably going to attempt one or two of those shots. I mean, I, I never like... Look, he can hit him sometimes, but because I say sometimes and not all the time, I don't want him shooting it. I'd rather see him down in the paint, but he's been down in the paint in the last couple of games, and he just... He's not going up strong. It's it's almost like he's refusing to play tough. He just looks lost out there. I think he gets wrapped up in some some foul calls that he get that called on him, or maybe some contact that he draws that he's that you know Atlanta's not called for a foul. He gets wrapped up and yelling at the ref. He's lost out there right now. He needs to refine. He he needs to go, come in tonight, and he needs to play the game that we're used to seeing Jared Sullinger play. That's what he needs to do. But he's lost right now. Can he find his game? We'll, we'll, we'll find out <laughs> tonight, 8.30, game five in Atlanta. The Hawks, seven-point favorite. Celtics getting seven points. I mean, I, I would take the points. I would take the points. I do think this is going seven. So, under that belief that if it goes seven, and I think the Celtics can win it in seven, under that belief, I see a close one tonight. I like game one was close and I see, I mean, I could see Atlanta winning on their home court. I could see the Celtics coming back for game six and winning at the TD garden on Thursday night and forcing a game seven Saturday back in Atlanta. I, I think it's going seven. So however way that is going to play out and go seven, it plays out. Uh, but I would take the points tonight. Celtics, a seven point dog in this one, whatever happens, I will react on tomorrow's podcast, another quick NBA note before I move on to the Stanley Cup playoffs and some dots on the Red Sox. Steve Kerr, coach of the Golden State Warriors, today was named Coach of the Year. Coach of the Year. What's interesting about this is, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Steve Kerr. He was the coach of the team, second half of the season, uh, a team that ended up getting 73 wins, the most wins in the history of the league in a single regular season. And, uh, you know, good for him. And we know how good of a coach he is. I'm not knocking Steve Kerr. I think, you know, if, if he's not the best coach in the league, he, he's, he's top three, no question. So you could justify giving him this award. But if you're going to give him this award, you're going to give Steve Kerr this award. Well, you better give it, you better make it a co-coach of the year or coaches of the year. Because his sidekick, now assistant, Luke Walton, deserves just as much credit this season as Steve Kerr does. I get Luke Walton is, when, when he was coaching for Steve Kerr, and if you don't know, Steve Kerr missed the first 43 games of the year, right? What, he had surgery, he was coming, coming back from that. Luke Walton coached the first 43 games. They said that, you know, his record wouldn't count because he was just interim basis, which is just foolish, but other people saw what he did, and Luke Walton is going to be somebody that's going to be getting a whole lot of calls this offseason from teams to come coach. And, you know, the Lakers are going to be a team. See, people say, why would you go to L.A.? It's dysfunctional. I don't know. Is it dysfunctional? Is it? Or did the dysfunctional part just retire? Seriously. 
Colby's a legend. I told you. I respect his on-court greatness to the point where I was rooting for him in that final regular season game. But that was a circus, okay? His last couple seasons were an absolute circus. And what you have with the Lakers is you have a very high pick this year, right? And you also have a couple kids right now that were very high picks the last couple of years that are going to be a major part of your future and are going to be some uh, pretty pretty big impact players in this league. I really believe that. And it begins with D'Angelo Russell. It begins with Russell. And you it continues with someone like Julius Randle. I mean, if I'm a coach in this league, I don't rule out the Lakers' job just because it's been dysfunctional the last couple of years because you have to ask yourself, why is it dysfunctional? Is it dysfunctional because they got all these young kids or is it dysfunctional because they're in a stage in which they're ready to move on to the future, but the past is still sticking around for one more season on his farewell tour. And I, you know, I'm going to be hesitant to, I'm not going to make that a knock on Colby. Look, the guy deserves to go out when he wants to go out, but facts are facts. And the fact of the matter is with the LA Lakers, they got a nice young core there. Swaggy P is not going to be around. He's not. They're going to keep D'Angelo Russell. He's a stud. Same thing with Randall. And who knows? You could get you could get Ingram from Duke. All right? Or you could trade that and bring in some stud. Maybe you do sign someone on top of it in free agency. If I'm Luke Walton, to me, I want a head coaching job. I think I'd actually have the Lakers on the top of my list. And put it this way, I'd be going to the Lakers before I went to Knicks any day of the week. Any day of the week, please, the Knicks, I don't know what their game plan is. I have no idea. Poor, all right, I get it. Porzingis looks good. What do you do with Melo? Honestly, what do you do with Melo? That's just a, it's a headache that you don't even want to get yourself into. The Lakers right now have young talent and a great pick here. I just, I, the Lakers to me would be on the top of my list. I hear some people, analysts, people who know the game, they're like, oh, why would you want to go to L.A.? It's dysfunctional. Well, you got to get over that. You got to ask yourself, why is it dysfunctional? And can the dysfunction, will it end? And I think the answer is yes, it will end because you have some young talent that could be elite talent. I'm, if I'm a coach, I'm following the elite talent. And if, if I'm Luke Walton and I know I'm not going to become the Golden State Warriors head coach anytime soon because that job is, is back to Steve Kerr, well, I'm going to pick a roster based on the talent level, not the previous dysfunction. It's just, you know, you got to ask yourself why it hasn't worked out there and, and can things change? And things will, things can change for LA and, with the Lakers and things will change. And I would want to be part of that. If I'm a head coach looking for a job, L.A. would be on the top of my list um, with the Lakers. So, did I say Kings? Um, that's because I'm looking at my Stanley Cup bracket. I didn't mean to say Kings. I meant to say Lakers. But I got the Stanley Cup bracket in front of me. I just wanted to mention that Coach of the Year thing because I think if Steve Kerr gets it, which he did, I mean, they should be splitting it with Luke Walton. They should. It should be, you know, Coaches of the Year. Co-Coach of the Year. with Kerr and Walton. That's what it should be. Brad Stevens finished sixth in voting, which I think is a little crazy. I think he probably should have finished, like, second or third, to be quite honest with you. But he didn't. And uh, I can only get so worked up about that, about awards for Coach of the Year. So we'll move on. To the Stanley Cup playoffs we go. Two games last night. Nashville forces a game seven in Anaheim. And St. Louis, in their game seven with the Blackhawks in St. Louis, the St. Louis Blues advanced. They beat the Blackhawks 3-2 to two last night. That game went a goal. He almost missed it. He whiffed on it a couple times. Finally put it in the net. What a game that was. In St. Louis, uh, on many occasions last night, they were buzzing, and they were all over the Blackhawks. The Blues advanced. I did not think that was going to happen. The Blues now will play the Dallas Stars in the second round. Uh, the San Jose Sharks, they'll play the winner of the Ducks and the Preds. That game seven between Anaheim and Nashville will be tomorrow night. 
tomorrow night. So no games tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but two games tomorrow night on, on Wednesday night. Anaheim-Nashville game seven, as I just told you, and then game one between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders. That will be in Tampa Bay. Now, then the other series is the Capitals and the Penguins. That's going to be one heck of a series. Ovechkin, Crosby. Penguins look like a dangerous team right now. So does Washington with with Braden Holpe being the best goalie on the planet. But if there's any offense right now that's going to beat the hottest goalie on the planet, it looks like it's going to be Pittsburgh's. Um, I, I have bad news for the Islanders, though. That's, that's the game one that will be played tomorrow night, Tampa Bay and the Islanders in Tampa Bay. Some bad news for those in Brooklyn. Steven Stamkos has returned to full practice for Tampa Bay, wearing a non-contact jersey, of course, but it's a great sign for Lightning fans and the Lightning organization that he's out there. Stamkos had surgery on April 4th to remove a blood clot from his collarbone, and he's already skating. Now, I know, non-contact, but the fact that he's out there participating and being involved in skating, it tells you that the return is coming. The return is soon. We've seen guys in the NHL play with some crazy injuries. I mean, you just don't, you don't have to look any further than Patrice Bergeron playing with a punctured lung and a broken rib in the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago. I mean, these guys play with some pretty serious shit. And the fact that Stamkos is skating, full practice, sure, non-contact jersey, it just tells me that Stamkos is going to be returning pretty damn soon. And that's very bad news for the Islanders. They might want to try to jump on Tampa Bay early in the series because it looks like Stamkos could be returning later in the series. We'll keep an eye on it. But no Stanley Cup playoff games tonight. Um, what we do have tonight is obviously the Celtics and the Hawks. We also have the Red Sox. They are playing in Atlanta. They got a weird four-game set with Atlanta, two in Atlanta, and two back here at Fenway before a weekend series at Fenway against the New York Yankees. Last night, the Red Sox won their second straight game. They began this series with the Braves uh, in Atlanta, and the Red Sox get a one-to-nothing win. Jackie Bradley Jr., for the second straight night, comes through with the game-winning hit. Uh, Two nights ago in the 12th inning, he had a bases-loaded single that drove in the eventual game-winning run. Uh, And last night, Jackie Bradley Jr., a home run, solo home run in the seventh inning. That that was all they needed. Red Sox with a one to nothing win over the Braves. Rick Porcello gets his fourth win. He right four and zero now in the season. Christian Vasquez was behind the plate. He threw out a base runner at second. And Vasquez, I told you, I, I do think he's a difference maker for someone like Porcello's confidence level. You can see it. Porcello six and a third last night. Four hits, no runs, walk two. Struck out six through 98 pitches. I thought John Farrell, for as much as I've crushed him in the last week and a half, for just awful bullpen management, I thought he was very good last night managing the bullpen. Porcello got in a little bit of trouble in that, what, seventh inning? What, he let up a double, then a walk, and and Farrell was not letting him stick around on that mound. 98 pitches in. Nope, he's seen this before. Not letting him stick around to hang a slider to anybody. And uh, he pulled Porcello. He put in the lefty. Obviously, you're in a National League ballpark. You get a lot of switches here with these National League teams and a lot of different situations. They pinch hit. You made the decision uh, to go with the lefty and Robbie Ross Jr. to get you out of that jam, even though you knew Atlanta would be putting a couple righties up against them and making those changes. Guess what? Robbie Ross Jr. with a nasty slider, backdoor slider, gets eyeball looking with a inning-ending strikeout to get him out of a jam. And Christian Vasquez, was his celebration was great. And I think that's why they love him. That's why they love him. That's why this team loves him. That's why this pitching staff loves him. He is into the game. He is in charge. He is in command. He is confident. And that confidence is rubbing off on the rest of these kids who, to be quite honest with you, have not looked very confident uh, in the last year and a half, in the last year, calendar year. So I love Vasquez and what he's doing for this team, and I love this celebration, not just on that pitch by Robbie Ross Jr. to get out of that jam in the seventh, but also Vasquez throws out a base runner, stealing second, and celebrates then as well. And it's just, he's into it, and he loves it. And you can tell, and the players, you can tell, love him. And, and the pitchers love throwing on him. So 
All around, great game for the Red Sox last night. From Jackie Bradley Jr.'s big hit for the second straight night. From Porcello's confidence that he's continuing to show on the mound. To Vasquez's celebration. To the way John Farrell managed the bullpen. To even Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell, two nights ago, he blew his save in the ninth. Letting up a home run to tie the game to Colby Rasmus. But you got to get right back out there. I love that they went right back to him. In fact, I was begging for the situation in which you would get Kimbrell right back out there. Against his old team, Kimbrell gets out, gets the job done in the ninth with two strikeouts on 11 pitches, picks up his sixth save, and the Red Sox win it one to nothing. And tonight, still in Atlanta, David Price looks Well, he looks to turn it around because his last start was brutal, and you can't have that happen given the money that he's getting paid. So we're not just asking for Price to turn it around tonight. We're looking for him to now consistently string together several dominant starts, and that is not too much to ask for a guy who's getting paid $30 million a season. In his last start uh, against Tampa Bay, you remember it, last Thursday afternoon game, Price only lasted three and two-thirds innings, let up eight runs, and this tonight, interesting note, and some people have maybe knocked me for this note, and you, yeah, I think you might be fair knocking me. I, I don't mean to make too much about this note with David Price, but I think it needs to be mentioned because facts are facts, and I feel like sometimes pointing out the facts, and the facts are that David Price has yet to start a game in a normal 7 o'clock slot. Every game he's pitched so far has been in the afternoon. Look, pitches are creatures of habit. Most of their career, they're used to pitching at night. Then they are in the day. And, you know, is that me making an excuse? No. No excuses. David Price needs to be better. I I stopped short of the criticism because I'm not going to run the guy out of town because I think his career and his resume speaks for itself. I'm not going to run this guy out of town. It's not going to happen. I know what Price is going to be. He's going to be a great pitcher for this team, but it's got to start now. It's got to start now, and the facts are the facts. This tonight is his first start of the season, which is a normal 7 o'clock first pitch. So, Red Sox, Braves, I'll react to this on tomorrow's podcast, but I'll be why. Look, I'll be, my focus will be on the Celtics. The good thing is the Celtics don't start till 8.30. Red Sox start at 7, first pitch is at 7.10 at turn of field, and... uh, so I'll be able to to watch probably what first six innings. I'll, we'll be able to watch Price. I'll be able to really watch what Price does tonight, and from that point on, you know I will. I, my main focus will be on the Celtics because this is such a huge game tonight. And then it's look, it's unfortunate for the Celtics that 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 you know they should be. Getting all this praise for a great weekend at the Garden, and we got to open the week with fucking Deflategate. It's I, I and, and I know the Celtics aren't probably caring about that. I mean, they're focused on one thing. That's winning Game Five tonight. Uh, it's just they they deserve, I think, more credit than they've been getting because this Deflategate story has maybe stolen some of their spotlight. It's unfortunate. You blame Roger Goodell though. Blame Roger Goodell. That's the guy who you blame for all of this. That's the guy I blame, at least. Uh, and and I will never stop short of trying to run him out of office. I'll stop short of trying to run David Price out of town. I'm not going to do that. But I will never stop short of trying to run Roger Goodell out of office as the NFL commissioner. And I like I just don't think that's going to happen. But we're, we're doing Deflategate again, and we're only doing Deflategate again because of Roger Goodell and because he is just an arrogant ass clown that shouldn't be the commissioner of any league. He shouldn't be, but he is. And he has all this power, and I know they gave it to him in the CBA. He's utilizing it. Fine. But he's using his power on all the wrong things. That's my point. And there need to be people to step up and say, and, and not just anonymously, but show their face, say their name, and speak out about this. All right, you want to use your power? That's one thing. But make sure you start using it on the right things. Because right now, this is the wrong thing you're using it on. The air pressure in football. It's no good. And at some point, the league needs to move on from this. Is Brady going to move on from it? No, he shouldn't. Because he's being suspended four games because of the air pressure in a football. And it's embarrassing. Because it's the same number of games as someone like Greg Hardy was suspended, ultimately. 
So it's one thing to have power. It's another thing to use it in all the wrong places. And right now, Goodell is using it in all the wrong places. Any developments? I'll react on this show as well as Celtics Hawks tonight. I told you, take the points, take the seven points. And um, David Price on the mound. We'll react to that tomorrow as well. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. You can subscribe on iTunes. Also on the Stitcher app. Tune in anywhere podcasts are available. Though I did tweet out yesterday too. You can follow me on Twitter at Danny Picard. I got an email last week that said this show, my podcast was now going to be in the Google Play Music Store. Not just the Google Play Store. The Google Play Music Store. So, If you have Google Play Music, you can get this show now. I sent the link out. Uh, Though it's weird. I have the app, and I search for it on the app, and it it doesn't show up on the app. But when I go on my computer and search for it, well, it shows up there. So... Maybe it's, it, I don't know, maybe it's still, they need to work out the kinks. They just added podcast uh, to Google Play Music. So you can also get it there if you don't have an iPhone. But really, anywhere podcasts are available. Anywhere they're available, you can get this show. Because I'm here five days a week, and you can listen whenever you want. Uh, finally, one last reminder, go to BeantownAthletics.com right now because they are your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery. Swing by the shop as well, 132 Granite Ave in Dorchester. I am out. Talk to you tomorrow.